Hey guys, I'm on the North Shore of Hawaii, up at Pupakea Heights, and I'm lucky enough to be welcomed into Mark Healy's home and his world. He's a big wave charger, like out of control. He's an ultimate waterman, spear fisherman, conservationist. What doesn't he do? Let's check out his life. Hey guys, welcome to another Opcast. We're on the North Shore of Hawaii, up at Pupakea Heights, and I'm lucky enough to have a big wave hellman, <laughs> an ultimate waterman, Mark Healy. Thanks for letting me into your world. Oh, thanks for uh, letting me on your show, man. I love this show. Wow, thank you. Thank you. Far out. I've known you since you were a pretty small kid. Yeah. What's your first first memories of meeting me? Um, through uh, Raina. Raina. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I uh, so I was down at Shores on the yep. inside sunset spot, and I think um, I met Dean Morrison there when we were yeah. kids. Yeah, and I think he might have been with Dean back when we were Rainer like was with Dean, yeah. boogie boarding and yeah. surfing, and that's yeah. how I, I met a lot of those Aussie boys. Is yeah. just from being little kids running around Sunset Point. How old then, do you reckon you were then? Shoot, I don't know, man. I must have been like twelve at the oldest. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. it was like two lifetimes ago it feels like it does feel like that doesn't <laughs> um where do you travel in summer just chasing the big swells where all over man you know it's it's been a litany of different things i've done whew, a couple of different bow hunts one in new zealand one in idaho wow. one in alberta canada i just did a speaking engagement in bermuda um i have a business called healy water ops so i'm setting up these like uh, amazing ocean bound experiences wow. for very Can you tell us a bit more about Healy Water Ops? Yeah, so basically the idea was, is it's something that I've been thinking about since I was like 15. Wow. Uh, because I remember, it, it has changed quite a bit, it's caught up now, but I remember being a little kid and, and you'd go on the golf course at Turtle Bay and you'd see these amazingly manicured greens, good service, you know, snacks, water everywhere, attention to detail. Mm. And then, you know, when people come to Hawaii, I'm not just saying Turtle Bay, but like come mm. to Hawaii in general, their mm. main attraction is really the beaches and the mm. ocean. Mm. Yet when a lot of these people would go down to the ocean, it's like, here's a dirty pair of goggles that's going to fog and go drown on your honeymoon. All right, yeah, see right. you later. <laughs> you know, so I always yeah. thought it was like an underserved thing that people really do want to experience the ocean and everything. Mm. And then through traveling over the years and, you know, whether it be for free diving and spearfishing or surfing everywhere, I realized that a lot of places specialize in one ocean activity. Mm. Like you're not gonna go to a surf destination and get really good dive outfit there or yeah. really good fishing outfit. It's like everybody sticks to their one kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Their niche, yeah. Yeah, and does other things not as great. So I was like, you know, I have one degree of separation or less to the best people in the world at what they do in on around the ocean, whether it be cinematography, safety, kiteboarding, windsurfing, free diving, um, Wow. and collect the group that I think are, are very good teachers mm -hmm. because, I mean, just because you're the best in the world at something doesn't make you a good teacher mm -hmm. as well. So it's like finding all these people and getting them together and uh, creating these epic adventures wow. for people that's totally customized anywhere in the world. Anywhere in the world? Anywhere. Wow. So if somebody wants a submarine in the Arctic, they're getting a submarine in the Arctic. So Seriously? We're, we're playing with big, big chips. It's big pretty chips. My goodness. Interesting. That's radical. Yeah. 
And um, how long you, have you been bow hunting for? I've been bow hunting for like, I want to say three years now. Three years now. Before that, were you regular hunting? I mean, normal no, guns, or I mean, you know, straight to the bow? Straight to the bow. Um, I always, you know, hiked when I was a kid and everything, but the, the mountains, like, I'm not the kind of guy that goes and hangs out at the beach. Like, my girlfriend wants to go, like, hey, it's midday, it's sunny. Let's hang. I'm like, no, look at me. I can't be in the sun. Like, <laughs> if I'm going to the beach, I'm going fishing, I'm going surfing, I'm yeah. working out. Like, I need to do something. Yeah. So, in Hawaii, it's kind of weird. Like, you go hiking, but there's no, like, bears or mountain lions to look out for. You're just kind of, like, seeing the same things. Mm. And then um, Wassel and Shane started, like, trying to get me into bow hunting. They're like, man, I'm telling you, it's as much of a crazy rush and a challenge as surfing big waves is it really and i was like come on come bullshit on. You know, <laughs> come on it can't be like that and then i started thinking i'm like these are two crazy dudes that i've been in some crazy situations with in so the ocean yeah. probably the only two guys who could have got me into it that fast because i was like okay there must be something to it and um yeah as soon as i went the first time i was kind of hooked everything yeah, right. changes it's um and and i'm really into the whole idea of eating good clean food yeah. and sourcing things locally and so all, you, you, you shoot it you clean it everything like that you, yep wow yep. do you go solo now uh yeah i go solo sometimes, sometimes or with friends a lot of times you'll go with a buddy and you guys split in different directions oh, okay. and meet up wherever you can that's like half the the mission sometimes is finding your friend in the finding dark your in some place you've never been you know? <laughs> um so it's always entertaining yeah so what's the the game on in hawaii is it pigs and deer so we have axis deer on Maui, Molokai, and Lanai. Mm -hmm. We have mouflon sheep. Oh, um, wow. Uh, that would be on Lanai and Big Island. Yep. Big Island ha also has feral sheep. Uh, we got tons of pigs and goats yep. everywhere. Yeah. I mostly go hunt the axis deer okay. because it's they're Beautiful. really good eating. Mm -hmm. um, a challenge. There's populations way too large, so we're in a unique situation in Hawaii where there's no season. So you can hunt year-round as opposed to most other places in the world. Yeah, right. And, um, yeah. It's not seasonal. No. No, it, it, it's seasonal as far as the rhythm of the animals, mm. um, which is like when they grow their horns and it turns into hard horns and they start fighting and breeding. Um, so that's the most exciting time to hunt because mm -hmm. everything's just popping off all around you. But actually in Hawaii, since the populations are so out of whack and large, that they have a year-round breeding cycle now. Wow. So it's not even as seasonal as it once was, and mm. it's a unique situation, I think, in all the world. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because there's no yeah. natural predators here. No. Yeah. No big bears. No big bears, yeah. No Tigers. big cats. No snakes. <laughs> no snakes. Oh, well, it's got no, no snakes, no spiders. Yeah, no, well, no real bad spiders. Not, yeah. not like not Australia like, not like spiders. Australia. No. <laughs> not ones that'll drop you. We've got them all. Yeah, uh-huh. It's crazy, hey? So you feel pretty safe in the jungle. Yep, you're pretty safe. Yeah. Well, cool. As long as you're on property, you're supposed to be on. Yeah. yeah. Oh, some big Hawaiian <laughs> yeah, guy's yeah. property. You don't want to be jumping that's the wrong scary. fences. That's a no-no. <laughs> no, that's a no-no. Um, you grew up on the North Shore, mm. born and raised here. Uh, where, um, it's a beautiful lot you got here at Pubakea. You were, where was the house you grew up in, in on the North Shore? So I grew up um, on the mountainside of Cam Highway across from, like, backyards. Backyards. Okay. Yeah. 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 So that was my little neighborhood over there. Close to Comsat. Yes, backyard was on Comsat. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. So that's where I spent the f being born to 17 years old. Yeah, and your dad was a waterman. Did he a waterman? Did he inspire you to 
you know, like apart from surfing, like mm -hmm. free dive and fish and that was, that was what he was into? Yeah, it was basically like, I think I had a unique situation with the way my dad did everything yeah. because I can't remember a second where he was like, no, you got to go out and you got to surf like this or that, or it was basically him just bringing me along with all of his buddies and I was like the baby, yeah. you know, fishing <laughs> overnight and yeah. going diving, him dragging me around on his buoy or surfing with them. I think that's one of the reasons I kind of, besides just naturally liking big waves, mm. I was surfing with like my dad and his carpenter buddies wow. because they didn't want to surf crowded spots. So you're yeah. like out at Phantoms. Oh, you're going out of reefs. With 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 your dad was surfing out of reefs. Yeah. Wow. That's super cool. Was he goofy too? He is regular footer, regular. and he tried to make me a regular Did footer. Did he? <laughs> so all my little kid photos of me surfing in like the first Menahuni contest, my leash is on my front foot. He still swears <laughs> I started as a regular footer. I'm like, no, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Uh, and now you're into foiling a little bit. Yeah, like full Barney. Full Barney. I'm a full Barney, but it's so fun. It is it's so fun. Yeah, so I've, I've probably only had like seven sessions under my belt. And everybody says that to Toby on a ski first to figure yeah, right. out the weight. I didn't do that because no, I'm stupid. Straight into it. Yeah, straight straight <laughs> in. But then that's you though. <laughs> yeah, yesterday, uh, yeah. me and Cole Christensen went out, and he oh, had okay. never done it in anything over small waves before either. Yeah. And we went and whipped around at outside Avalanche, oh, wow. um, and it was so fun. Was it? You and go it so damn big. fast. Yeah, it was like 12 feet 12 probably. Feet? Do you go faster on the bigger wave or just the same as the small wave? Way faster. Way faster? Yeah. Wow. Like you'll pass the ski if the ski is trying to run. Really? You. Yeah, you got to be, I'd imagine you have to be going 40 miles an hour. Wow. At least. I had, um, I, I got Laird Hamilton on, the, uh, on my opcast and he said he thinks he can catch a 100 foot wave on a foil board. You think that's possible? Yeah. Yeah? Wow. Yeah. Laird's a, Laird's a well thought out guy too. He wouldn't be saying stuff like that unless he knew he could do it. Mm. Like, would it be, have to be like a perfect glassy, huge swell of ever? And that's it's possible. I, or does it have to be glassy? That's what I'm not sure about because yesterday I did definitely feel like you started really watching the water in front of you because yeah. if you hit a big chop, like that thing Ooh. wants to come up with the does chop. Mm. Um, but I feel like we're in such like the infancy of, of the, foil shapes and yeah. everything that it's going to accelerate really fast. There's going to be that like better, make better the foil gear. better. Yeah, or more right, efficient and tuned in for really high speeds wow. and bigger waves. And wow, way. It's exciting. It is. It's new. I'm not trying to be a pro foiler or anything, but I'm having <laughs> a lot of fun. Is there any such thing as a pro foiler? I don't know. <laughs> I said that about stand-up paddling when it first came out. Now there's really good professional stand-up paddlers, so who knows? Hey, so, Mark, I mean, it's crazy how much stuff you do in the ocean. I mean, from everything, you know, like you're a very accomplished spear fisherman. You won a World Cup. Whereabouts was that? Oh, that was in La Paz, Mexico. Mexico? So, yeah, so that was like the blue water spear fishing World Cup. Okay. Um, but I used to do a bit of tournament spear fishing. Mm -hmm. um, I love it. You love it? I spear fish as much as I surf, at you least. Do? Wow. Yeah, so I'm always in the water diving. So you mustn't ever have to go to Foodland. You've got your deer, you've got your no. fish. I can't, unless I'm sitting at a restaurant, yeah. I can't remember the last time I bought you, fish. You bought I don't fish. think I, I th no. that's like paying for parking on the North Shore. It's like something I want <laughs> you, to do. I'm like, well, you... I guess I'm not eating fish tonight <laughs> if we don't have any. <laughs> oh, that's classic. Um, so when you won the World Cup, what kind of fish was it and how big was it? Well, that, that, 
the formats for yeah. all these different events kind of vary greatly. For that uh, particular event, it was a three-day event. You get two of each species that's allowed on the list mm -hmm. with minimum sizes. Mm -hmm. um, they only count if they're that size or bigger. Yeah. And uh, so you have to get kind of a wide variety. Oh, of you fish. do. Okay. Yeah. So it's hunting everything from like, you know, deep blue ocean all the way up to like five feet of water oh, really? sometimes. So you have to be kind of well-rounded. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Even though it's the Blue Water World Cup, there was species that you had to go shallow for. Mm. Would you ever, have you ever seen like the Discovery Channel where they like, it's like, what is it? <laughs> um, where you have to like stay in the jungle for like 40 days. Oh yeah, like <laughs> Would you do that? survivor yeah, things. Yeah, survivor. If it paid enough. Yeah, right. I go do that for fun after that. <laughs> like, <laughs> you do. I was going to say like, I don't know if you've seen the show like Naked and Afraid, yeah. but I didn't want to say it. Oh but man. But that'd be so sketchy. You'd just be like, every time the camera comes on you, you're like, wait, I've got to get some blood flow here, guys. I don't want to have that image out there. Oh, like a freaking hack sack. And... <laughs> um, so I know you can uh, hold your breath for a long time. Um, mm. We were talking about that when we went shark diving. So it was six minutes, was it, if you're not? I think that the longest, I don't like try to figure out how long I can hold my breath to yeah. the end all the time. Yeah. But I think we we were doing the big wave risk assessment group kind of meeting where everybody gets together and yeah. they had one of the free diving instructors and they're everybody sat in a room and so I think that was probably the longest I've on paper held my breath. It was like six ten. Six ten. Just sitting. I think there. I'm gonna make a goal though. I think I wanna hit, be able to hit seven, seven by the end of January. Wow. That's my New Year's resolution. Wow, that's incredible. I can't hold it for 30 seconds. You could hold your breath a lot longer than, than you, you think. think? Yeah, wow. it's, a, it's just a process and understanding the process and it, there's so much psychology to it that when you make gains and you just yourself know that you can progress, then you really progress a lot because then you start believing in yourself. Okay, I got it. Yeah. That's everything. Everything. It's all in the mind. Yeah, a lot of it's Relaxing. in the mind. Most of the work is in the mind. And then you'll finally hit a spot where you plateau, and that's where the real body work will start. Okay, that's incredible. And not just back to hunting. Can you have you got a one a cool hunting story? I mean, I know you hunt on most of the islands. You've hunted on Molokai. I've, been, yep. I've spent some time there. Um, is it out at Wailau? or? Oh uh, no, I just hunted behind some friends' oh, okay. places. Uh, their properties over there. I, not allowed to say. Yeah, no, don't say that. is <laughs> a very special place, isn't it? Yeah. Any like radical stories though that can come to mind? Oh man. <laughs> There's some funny ones, man. Some funny I'll ones. Tell you how I got one. this goat in the back here. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> so I haven't met the goat yet. Yeah, he's just a handful. Um, <laughs> so I was hunting on Maui actually, mm -hmm. and um, feral goats are a giant problem over there. Especially oh, they really? like if you know you have permission to hunt on a ranch, they highly encourage you to. Get the goats. Try to get the goats. Mm -hmm. um, same problem in Australia in a lot of places. Oh, have we? Yeah, we do. Yeah. And um, so I had, I was always like, oh man, that's a pretty good goat in Fiji and some other places. And he just liked... showed me a good recipe, but they, they don't, they're not they that good. Dude, oh, they they're not that the good. Yeah, right. I was like, okay, where's my commitment level to this thing? <laughs> and so um, they're actually rounding up cattle in the part of the property that we were hunting. And my friends were hunting a rifle like a, a mile up. Mm -hmm. And so we were walking around and since they were rounding up cattle, all the deer was kind of gone. We didn't see a single deer. We're coming back and I, I saw this goat and it was kind of like on a little mound. I was like, okay, 
it's a 60 yard shot and there's a branch a little high at 30 yards because mm -hmm. your arrow at a certain point does kind of like an oh, arc okay. so you got to adjust for that mm -hmm. so if there's something in between you and that even though it's higher than the object mm -hmm. you're, the arc can knock it down so i was like all right i'll take this goat and i'll eat it if i hit it but if it hits a branch then it's not going to even hit the goat at all and mm -hmm. it's not going to injure it yeah so i'm free and clear so we'll see how this goes yeah shoot sure enough arrow hits a branch arrow hits the dirt doesn't hit the goat and it runs off a ways but it stops and it doesn't completely run away and i'm like that's weird and so i started glassing <laughs> my binos and i see this little black ear just on the back side of the hill i'm like no it has a baby so oh. i was like okay we're gonna sit down here and chill and let this um goat come back and just then like the guys who were hunting yeah. up top started shooting the rifles and oh. the goat just bailed oh he bolted bailed yeah she she and uh which i didn't realize it was female <laughs> and uh i came over and it was like a newborn like two hours old had its umbilical cord on it and oh. it's like oh no this thing's not gonna last here like i either gotta kill it finish it or i gotta throw it in my backpack and i was like man i don't have the heart to kill this thing <laughs> So I put it in my backpack and you did now he lives here really and he has no respect whatsoever oh, for he, me. he doesn't he should yeah. have ultimate respect you saved his life so ungrateful. i mean her life is she good <laughs> Shit, like yeah back there and then got a second one to you got a second company one. yeah so. to keep her company i think this is how it starts this is how like crazy cat ladies get a bunch of cats and i might end up being a crazy goat guy <laughs> crazy goat guy yeah <laughs> but um you put it in your backpack and took it on the plane. Yeah, we got it back. How? Without? They didn't know? Well, <laughs> it's not a that story I can't really comment on yeah, either. Right. That's all right. <laughs> I'm just imagining you the going through security. The goat got here completely legally, of course. <laughs> you know? Oh, that's too funny. Oh, my goodness. Uh, um, me getting a call. <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. Healy. We need that goat back. Yeah. <laughs> so you you um, worked as a stuntman, Mark, for a while. Yeah. And are you still doing that? Yep. yep. Still doing stunt so work. So where do you, you go to LA to do that? Or, um, I've or they usually come here? I've done a couple of jobs here. there. I yeah. work mostly on stuff that's the, coming through here. The it's, crews come here, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty regular coming through here. Hawaii Five-0 has been running for ages oh, now. Yeah. And before that was lost. So yep. there's kind of always like something, something where here. they need people. I've worked in Tahiti a couple of times. Okay. And wow. Yeah, just kind of... In surfing or just all kinds? Not a lot of surfing, actually. Right. It started that way because yeah. Uncle Brian, Kealana, yep. and Brock and those guys got me jobs when there needed to be surfing doubles. And yep. then, you know, as long as you don't screw up, mm. like, hey, we need somebody to get punched in the face and fall oh, down. Oh, really? That Somebody too. needs to get shot. Yeah, so wow. I'm usually getting, like, a wig and an outfit and yep. getting shot by somebody. Wow. Like, I'm almost always, like, the random villain that makes one appearance on the show and dies. Wow. Oh, classic. Yeah, <laughs> Do you like that? It's fun. I enjoy it. It's um, it's problem solving. You always learn mm. things of just how to, you know, from the stunt coordinators you're working with and kind of working in that environment and how much I learned a lot about, you know, just safety protocol from that besides just what we had to learn on our own with the mm. big wave stuff. So, um, yeah, I enjoy it. Mm. It's fun. And let's move on to like your favorite break. I know it's a big wave break somewhere. I know you like to spend time in Porto Escondido. Mm -hmm. Would that be your favorite or is there others? It's probably big, one big in Hawaii. Big cloud break's hard to beat. Big cloud break, wow. Yeah. 
That's rare though, isn't it? It is. You were out there that day when it was absolutely huge. Can you tell us that story when yeah. the set of the day came through and you were like, I think you were the furthest on the inside. I was, I was excited. You were excited? Yeah, so everybody came. It was a came. solid 30 foot set, hey, and it just went completely yeah. inside out. Yeah, and where were just, you? Uh, I, uh, the biggest one, I was swimming under. You were swimming under, yeah. Yeah, the biggest one that came later in the afternoon. And, that's, what uh, I, that's the one I mean. I was uh, crapping my pants. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. What was God. it? Just everything getting dragged off the reef. Yeah, you know what my my uh, problem was, is I was you know trying to get myself pumped up. I got a few good waves, yep. but I was like, this is my chance. I need to get, I want to get a, like a real one. Mm. And so a real one came and I kind of was like, okay, I'm going to take my time paddling over this because I want to see like the transition, yeah, like okay. where, if I'm going to commit, what does it have to look like? Yeah. And so I did that. But as I'm coming over this backless thing, it's kind of, you know, it starts pulling you back mm. and there's all the spray. And then as the spray was clearing, I just seemed black. I was like, the next one. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. There's that sinking feeling. You oh, just like, you go like hot. You're I've just done like, it this time. <laughs> I, it's so funny because every time I've been in that situation, the first thing that pops in my mind is like, it's your fault. Yeah. You didn't have to be here. Yeah, right. You chose to be here. You could be on a couch somewhere watching a movie. <laughs> you did this to yourself. Oh <laughs> but, uh, my goodness. I just started paddling, paddling. And uh, it, it was doing the same thing that Chopo does where yeah. it'll pull so much water off the reef. So that can kind of help you sometimes when Got you're caught inside. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. you, you're getting momentum going out faster. Mm -hmm. And then you just kind of want to ride that momentum. That's because as it breaks, there's still some of that that seems to go mm -hmm. under and, and, and through. Up. Yeah. So, so just, you're in that zone. Yeah. And I, you got through. I knew I had to pull my leash. I wasn't going to oh, make it. Yeah. And I didn't have a pull pin. So. I had to like reach around my oh, leg geez. and pull that way. So I had to time my strokes because every stroke was precious. And I just Whoa. remember thinking, get enough air, end with a left-handed stroke, pull the leash, swim through as efficient, efficiently as possible. And, mm. and luckily made it through. But I remember just like, it felt like swimming up from like 80 feet of water. Like how long I was just, wow. Whew. <laughs> fighting it i felt like i was fighting it across for so long then starting to come up yeah you know and uh was there a wave behind that and, no thank no. god <laughs> but i was like your mind is going crazy because yeah. you're seeing something that you never seen before and you're like yeah. oh well i'm not going to rule out anything at this point it might be a hundred footer behind this yeah, like, exactly <laughs> <laughs> i don't know you just don't know but thank god there wasn't um you're on Instagram, Healy Water Drops. Healy, wa Healy Water Ops. Ops. You yeah. See, you got drops here, Eans. <laughs> it sounds nice. cuter. Yeah, water Drops. It is cute. <laughs> yeah, water Drops. Okay. So, yeah, so Instagram, um, Healy Water Ops. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's your business. Yeah, that's the name of my business. Yeah. Um, HWO for short. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, that's it. that's my personal account, but I'm going to start a HWO account as well. And yeah. Get people excited. Nice, nice, nice. So would that wasn't your worst wipeout. That was a very scary situation, but you yeah, made it. Made um, it. Have you got a, a story? Um, yeah, there's been all kinds of close calls. I think yeah. two real close ones were I broke my eardrum at really big jaws one time. Okay. And I did it at big dungeons one time in South oh. Africa. An ear too, there. Yep. Same ear. Same ear. And how, I've actually never burst it. Does it make you not even know which way's up or down? Yeah, you can't like, 
I wouldn't even be able to crawl on my hands and knees. Right here. That's how. Yeah, that's how spun out. And you're yeah. in. The, and you're in huge surf. Yeah, and that. you know you can't find your way up. Shit. And even if you're, you hit the surface, you can't hold your head up. Oh no. Because you don't know. You, like you, you put know. your head back down and start just thrashing about. Way. Yeah. Oh, so wow. that was gnarly. Um, the first time I did that, which is probably the closest call I ever had, was first time I ever went to Jaws. Mm -hmm. And we were towing in. I was with Jamie Sterling. Yeah. And um, we had been out the whole day. I had a flu for like two weeks before that. Mm -hmm. um, so I probably shouldn't have went out. That's mm. just like a young, dumb thing. <laughs> and so we were out the whole day. And I was like, okay, I'm going to wait for a bomb. And I'm going to try to pull in. Yeah. And so a uh, goat won't shut up. <laughs> so the, um, a big wave finally came, a real big wave. And I was like, okay, I'm going to... in like 30 feet. Yeah, I don't know. You don't like, know. That's big. Solid one. That's... And uh, <laughs> yeah, like 60 foot base yeah, yeah. for sure. Plus. Yeah. And um, I was like, okay, I'm going to kind of fade it until I hit the bowl, which is, I learned, is a terrible idea on big waves, ever trying to fade it. Yeah. And uh, as soon as I set my rail to try to come around it, I just remember the lip landed right on my heels. And I was looking in the air at my feet in the straps and looking at the cliff in the background with white water coming around me and then just hit, broke my eardrum. I had this like thin little vest from like Walmart. Oh, you didn't have the pool vest? No, this was a long time ago. Before the pool vest? Yeah, this is way before the pool vest. This is where I, I, I was calling guys pussies for just wearing any kind of flotation. Oh, you were? Like, ah, don't need it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Learned otherwise, but um, yeah, the vest ripped in half, and it was coming off my arm. My I, eardrum was blown out, and I knew that it was. I was like, oh, shit, I'm in trouble. And I grabbed the vest, and I just held it, and that's, I had to wait till that eventually brought me up. Wow. And then I took, like, I don't know how many waves. I, I, it's hard to say because I was so, like, I was barely conscious, and I was spinning. Oh. It's just I saw bright white a oh, couple wow. of times, so yeah. that must have been when I kind of was on the on the sideways bridge. on the surface between oh, waves. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, Victor Lopez ended up picking me up. I went in the channel, and I was, like, dry heaving because I was spinning, but I didn't want to puke in front of everybody. Oh. <laughs> and uh, and it was funny because I saw Sean Lopez at Pipeline, like, two weeks later. He's mm. like, man, my dad said he grabbed you by the hair and threw you on the sled, and your eyes were, like, this big. I was like, no way. Jamie picked me up. He's like, oh. my dad is positive he picked you up. And so I called Jamie right there. I'm like, Jamie, you picked me up at Jaws, right? And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you didn't pick me up? So I'll know Victor got you. I couldn't get to you. <laughs> I didn't even know who picked me up. Nothing. Wow. Yeah. Oh, what a story. And dungeons, you, that wave is so scary. Do you, do you like that wave? Yeah, I like it. I have fun out there. I enjoy mm. it. I love hanging out with the South African crew yep. out there. Yep. They're all good humans. Yep. Um, but it's so fickle, man. It's hard is to it? get that wave. It is, I don't yeah. think it's been as good since, and it's been like over a decade. Yeah, right. Yeah, it has its moments, but it's a really tough place to get. Wind-wise, swell-wise. Yeah, you're just so close to the storms. Mm. It's it's that close to Antarctica that storms what is it are down just the roaring, in the roaring 40s. Yeah, it's close. It's close, yeah. Um, so uh yeah it's a it's a pretty cool spot though definitely feel like something about being in south africa you feel like you're in the food chain mm. on land in the water yeah, everywhere everywhere <laughs> it's a dynamic place you it can is. see life playing out yeah it sure is um how many times 
do you check like the the forecast you know in the world to like look at big swells coming to certain locations around the world regularly i'll check the forecast three times a day oh yeah um if all, and all over coming, the world I'm, yeah yeah i'm looking like everywhere like i know it's not six hours for the update and i'm still looking like really? like an addict or something <laughs> like maybe they did a surprise maybe, update yeah, or, yeah. <laughs> that's well that was me back in the day too when i used to compete i rang that buoy like about five times a day yeah it's Thank like, God it's for still buoys, 13 man. feet 15 yeah. seconds. <laughs> <laughs> hasn't changed yet <laughs> that's all time um so yeah, uh, you once won the Surfer Magazine poll for the worst wipeout crashing in that huge wave at Chopur. Yeah, <laughs> I was good at that for a while. I won a lot of wipeout awards. I went on a little wipeout heater. Did you, you win just, money for that? Oh, I think I got like a high five or something. I don't know. I, at a certain point I was like, okay, this is my third one. I think I might have to change my approach a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was a radical one. You are pretty reckless out there in the big waves. Used to be. Used to be. Changed man. You're a changed man? Till I get excited. Till you get excited. <laughs> How old are you now? I'm 36. 36? Yeah. Wow. Mm. Trying to pick, pick my battles and just be a, a bit more focused. That's the thing that every time I'd get a big swell when I was younger, I was like, I looked at it like it was the last one I was ever going to get. Yeah, right. Like, it has to happen now. Yeah. You know, and I think you get a few things under your belt and get a few personal accomplishments and you're like okay i can try to be more effective and mm. not just play the numbers yeah you won um the biggest paddle in wave in 2014 at that um at jaws yep so that you that was pretty much when paddling was first came in was a couple it? years into couple the, years the, into the paddling it. stuff yeah i was i was actually really stoked to win that yeah. because i have i've my relationship with piahi has gone up and down so many times where i've had some of the worst beatings of my life and mm. just trying to get your head around like how do i surf this wave backside you know like on your heel edge yeah, trying right. to get get it in and i've just put so much thought to it i'm like no i'm not giving up i'm not making excuses just because i'm goofy foot i gotta figure out how to do this mm. And I was so stoked um, that wave. that worked out. You made that wave? Yeah, I made that wave. And actually, I had a bad back injury then, and I Whoa. shouldn't have surfed. No and and <laughs> so I think one of the reasons why I made that wave is because I, I had no choice. I was like, I'm going to be in a wheelchair if I fall on this wave. <laughs> like, I got to be like, I have the tiger, and it worked out. It worked out. Mm -hmm. Epic. And you had the barrel in 2009 in Oregon. What, yep. what, what, what way is that called? Is that the ghost trees way? No. No, it's a spot. Um, I mean, we, we, I called it the Yeti, um, wow. but I'm sure it's had other, other names, names in the past. Yeah. Um, is it a left it or a right? It seemed to stick. Uh, it's primarily a left mm -hmm. when it's big, but it's just mean, nasty, like a true slab. Yeah. And we were, we were doing a bunch of trips one winter to go and try to score it. There had been a lot of rumors for a while, and I was heading up there with Greg and Rusty and Twiggy. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, ended up getting a bomb. You got a bomb? Yep. Cold? Real cold. Real cold. It's the coldest I've ever been is on really? those trips. Yeah. What, how does the hold downs uh, when it's cold? I mean, I've never been a cold water person, but 
are they heavier the hold downs when it's cold or not so it's much? it's much more uncomfortable because yeah. when you have that initial real impact your whole suit gets flushed no matter what like oh, you mean just, get what inside the suit? yeah your whole suit just holds full, full of water so you feel that you know 52 yeah. degree water on your skin right away and that's like why a lot of people drown um in shipping maritime disasters in cold places like they say a lot of the people in titanic is because when you hit cold water your initial natural reaction is to gasp yeah so people go <gasps> they didn't take yeah, in water yeah, yeah. so that's something that you have to fight right off the bat don't do and that. then it's just so violent and yeah I, I would say it's more difficult yeah but at least you there's something about having that five mil wetsuit mm that just that is quite a bit of flotation. Is it and if you have flotation on, own, on top yeah. of it, at least you have the peace of mind that you're gonna come up eventually. Yeah. You do, um, when you surf big waves these days, do you use the vest to pull? Uh, yeah, yeah, I use the vest. I don't pull unless I feel like it's a good idea. Yeah. I don't wanna get used to it. Yeah. Um, I try to like make decisions to... based on no vest, no water safety. Yeah. Yeah. That's, but I just... might be old school in that no, I think mindset it's because yeah. that's how I learned. Because I'm sure I, other guys would be just pulling every time. Yeah, I've, and people do. People do, yeah. But what what happens when you're psychologically so attached to that? Attached to that, and mm. they have problems. They they have malfunctions sometimes. Whether it's the way people have put you it know, on, pilot error, or just some freak of nature, you get it. You know, there are dud CO2 cartridges yeah, right. that just don't have anything in them. You might get a dud, like. Wow. So you don't want to be in that headspace when you're like. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, I'm not coming up. <laughs> you know. Mark, you've done a lot of conservation with sharks. Um, mm -hmm. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so it's kind of funny, like, I didn't really initially set out to work with sharks all the time. I love being around them. I love the animals. Um, but just through spear fishing my entire life, you end up interacting with sharks mm. a lot of times in uncontrolled situations. Mm. And so I got to learn quite a bit about like their habits and their, just their personalities really. And um, that rolled into opportunities, working on films. Like the first thing I ever did was, there was a project that a buddy was working on and they're filming down in Guadalupe Island off of Mexico where there's just a ton of white sharks. And they basically wanted a couple of divers to come and essentially be rodeo clowns for the film guys. So mm. basically you're in the water with like an unloaded spear gun, just to have something to Jab put them. between you and the sharks. So the guys can focus on what they're filming. And if they turn or there's a second shark, you're trying to just keep eyes out for them and kind mm. of be their bodyguard so mm. they can focus on what they're doing. And then through that ended up like, you know, having a lot of interaction with these white sharks and kind of getting to know them. And that was a film with National Geographic that was in Europe and all over the place mm -hmm. over there. And then um, through GoPro, uh, the launch of their dive housing, helped them with the shark piece that got millions and millions of views. Yeah. And then I was like, you know, like I kind of got a knack for this thing. Like how can I fit in and, and help, right? Because the way I look at it is we owe a lot to give back. You know, we live pretty awesome lives and it's all because of the ocean. Um, or mostly because of the ocean and uh, you got to figure out ways to give back. I'm like, okay, what's my tool set? What am I good at? What can I offer? Cause I just don't, I don't want to just go blow hot air on social media 
Facebook, like, save the sharks, they're so pretty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, like, I want to do something real. Mm. And so um, that's when I kind of got it involved in the shark tagging projects. Yeah. Um, so there's the first trip was the Philippines, yeah. um, and that was for pelagic threshers, which mm -hmm. has never been tagged or tracked before. Oh, really? Yeah. And so the reason a free diving approach with a, with a spear, modified spear gun shaft with a breakaway tag tip, mm. the reason why that works is there's a few different things. Um, you want to get that tag at the base of the shark's dorsal fin. Mm -hmm. That's the furthest away from any vital organs. It's not going to bother it. It doesn't mm -hmm. bother it as much when it swims. Mm. Also, if it's a satellite tag, it makes it more likely that that'll... Pick it up. Yeah, hit the surface and pick up. Um, and the sharks, when you're on scuba, the, at least they... Granted, there's areas where the sharks are fed all the time or big, really confident sharks like big whites or big tigers. They're not going to care about you as much. but um, the more timid species, uh, the bubbles, they're not going to let you get over them with the bubbles. Um, they don't, if you come at them like this, you don't have a shot at their dorsal fin. Mm -hmm. And by the time you come to this level, they're going to bail. So like a free diving drop at a 45 degree is the best way to access that. Mm -hmm. And in the past, a lot of, um, the tagging has been done by hook and line. So yeah. they catch a shark, hook and line, put the tag in. And it was the best option. There's been a lot of really positive results from that you mean like on drum lines yeah that, that's what we have off off snapper we've got the drum lines with a big piece of meat on the hook but yeah but they'll do that and monitor them for tagging purposes okay um as well but there is a mortality rate with that yeah well i mean in australia they 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 only check it every couple of weeks and there's oh yeah there's, there's, there's dead sharks they're not gonna last on no. yeah <laughs> you gotta get them really fast and that's fast, my point yeah. even if you have them immediately by the time you get to the boat get them up mm. Um, if it's like a pelagic thresher, a scalloped hammerhead, or some of the other species, they still have like a certain percentage chance of dying, mm. even if you release them right away, mm. because they're really susceptible to lactic acid buildup. Mm -hmm. So you remember um, Crocodile Hunter, right? Steve Irwin? Steve Irwin. So his whole thing was a top jaw rope with the crocodiles, yeah. because he didn't want to clamp their whole mouth yeah. shut, and because crocodiles are the same way, if, if they get too tired and can't breathe, they... Um, get a lactic acid buildup and they can die. So the okay. sharks essentially is the same, same. thing. It's okay. like the same version of Steve Irwin's top jaw rope mm. is applying the free dive ap approach with the breakaway tags. Yeah. Because then there's also the other argument that um, if you have a shark that's half dead mm. and you put a tag in it, how long is it gonna take before you're getting data on its real mm. behavior? Mm -hmm. Because it's not acting normally, right? Yeah. So there's always that question, is the data good that's coming back? Yeah. So with this free dive approach, go down, pink, little sting. Mm. Sometimes the sharks, have, I have, I've tagged sharks and they haven't even like they run off. They're it. just yeah. like, well, what was that? You, know, you get a good one right in the right <laughs> spot. Yeah. And uh, one of the most encouraging things was, is probably the most sensitive shark, the pelagic threshers in the Philippines, nine out of nine of them came to the same location the very next day, which oh, showed yeah. no break in behavior. Yeah. So did that there. That was the first time those had ever been tagged and tracked and then did scalped hammerheads in Japan. Japan. Which wow. Japan had never done a tagging project mm -hmm. before. Did with University of Tokyo, University of Miami and like I'm 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 the only one without credentials on these trips. Oh really? Yeah. So but I'm <laughs> but a full dork at heart. Yeah, so I dig it. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I go with these scientists and it's definitely not like glorified. I'm not making money. We're all yeah. sleeping in, you know, bunk beds mm. and 
hearing everybody farting and snoring mm-hmm. like it's not <laughs> it's not glorified but yeah. that's like i just figure that's like a give back that yeah, you can do absolutely like, what do you think about all the shark attacks that are happening now especially at home in australia and um and obviously reunion they're not even surfing there at the moment um is there any reason like i mean do you think there is just because there's more people in the water or what do you think i find that and and this is why i think oh there's so much arguing about stuff all the time is is that it's almost never one variable it's Mm. probably a few variables Mm. that are all coming together it could be more people in the water Mm. um people are fishing a lot it could be yeah, could maybe. be that yeah. but also i mean i definitely think that the sharks need protection but i'd be remiss to not bring up that like when did they start getting protected and at what point in their their age do they start preying on mammals so i don't know like in california white sharks have been protected since x amount of time mm. is that enough time for a bunch of the young to all be at that age where they're learning to hunt mammals Mm. and if you watch anything start learning how to hunt something new they don't know as much how to differentiate you know they've been striking out chasing seals like an awkward high school dance you know and just striking out striking out then they see something else and like oh maybe this is my chance yeah right and it's a person yeah because it's a lot it's a lot of like middle size like adolescent sharks that seem to be doing the doing attacks. that yeah well i mean you probably would have seen the the incident with mick fanning do you do you know yeah. what kind of shark that was, do you was it definitely looked like a white and it definitely looked okay. like an adolescent one like okay. right around that size one. and yeah. age yeah. where their Just. jaw structure is changing they're getting more muscle around the the jaw area to be able to hunt larger prey and mm. mammals and that's usually when they're switching from fish to mammals. Yeah, he was investigating more. It's yeah. it's like a 15 year old with their driver's permit. Yeah. So, you know, what can you expect? Mm. That's life, that's how it goes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dude, cool. Mark, uh, tell us about the story in WA when you were free diving and you um, went and visited some surfers out there and everyone probably knows who it was. Yeah. I. Uh, so i was on the hawaii team we qualified for the inter-pacific spearfishing championships yep. and funny enough it was in wa which isn't even the pacific for the pacific yeah, spearfishing right. championships but the boys over there were hosting and uh i went over didn't even bring any surfboards i was just with a couple of my my boys i dive with in mm-hmm. Haleiwa, yeah part of my team and it was pretty classic because both of them had never been out of the country before mm. so it was their, their big Excursion, yeah, yeah, and um, WA Margaret River, no, nah. yeah. Well, there's three different locations, oh, okay. so we had to, one of the days was at Yelling Up, okay. So they had three locations, and we had to scout all these for two weeks, and then they tell you which back to back days, which locations it's going to be, mm-hmm. to try to make it even for everyone. And uh, the waves were actually pumping, like wow. there was a lot of swell, and we were at Yelling Up Boat Ramp, yeah, that's where it was, um, it, the whole thing was going to start. We're all in our wetsuits. It's all like game time. Mm. Blah, blah, blah. Everyone's getting ready. And then right right by me, here comes Taj dumping his ski to go whip some slabs. And he's like, what the fuck are you doing here with your dive gear? The waves are pumping. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm just doing this tournament. We got we to gotta paddle or yeah. swim out right now. I actually remember being like kind of like pretty nervous on that one because there's these two rock islands at Yelling Up. Yeah. Um, 
and we had to swim directly from the boat ramp out to the farthest island. Mm. It's like a like, couple Ks, I think. Yeah. But you just be. don't see the bottom the whole time. But we had no, this, as in sharks. Yeah. Yeah. You're just like freestyle swimming. I'm like, God, this doesn't feel good. Yeah. I don't know, man. <laughs> um, we actually did pretty good that day, but it was just super random. He, the look on his face was priceless. Oh like, wow. <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> oh, let's go. And tell us about um. Uh, you went spearfishing with Travis Rice. Oh, so that was a Quicksilver trip to G-Land. And uh, that was the first time I, I met Travis, and we were in the same room. How does he surf? He surfs pretty good for a snowboarder. Yeah. But he, like, charges. He charges? Yeah. Wow. He'll go for it. Like, the biggest wave of the whole trip, he, like, went and pig-dogged it. Wow. Yeah, I'm like an eight-footer. Mm. You took him space fishing? Uh, I took him, well, I guess, kind of. But... Uh, <laughs> So there was alcohol involved, yeah. and it was nighttime. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and um, and so we got this bright idea that we were gonna go hunt a pig with my spear gun in the middle of the night in the, the jungle forest. in Jayland. Yeah, Are which I didn't realize till the next day that it's kind of like a forest reserve. So I'm really glad we didn't get one. <laughs> and um, and so then we're going around with a flashlight and spear gun. And then uh, we're like, oh man, we should go grab that jet ski. They left the jet skis down where you load boats. Mm. And um, we're like, let's go and rip around on the ski. And it was like 1 a.m. And um, Full moon or not? No, it no. was actually a dark moon. <laughs> dark moon. And we went and we got it out just barely. And uh, we're out ripping around on the ski doing donuts. And like the phosphorescence is like oh, glowing yeah. like crazy. It was pretty cool. And then we're like, going through the lineup riding waves on the ski in the middle of the night and everything like okay we got to go back in and thank god i left a flashlight on the beach shining out i was like man it might be hard to find it back because it was like pitch black yeah. you know just ocean and jungle and oh, that um, was smart thinking you left a flashlight this on. is like the one smart thing i did <laughs> and, <laughs> and then so we got back and the tide had dropped and oh. it was like this deep for like 200 meters to where we had to go and i was like Reef. oh we're, we can't we can't call anybody <laughs> how are we going to get this there we're either spending the night out at sea on this this jet ski or we're going to figure something out and um ended up like like there's like dry reef and like tide pools i was like okay here we go and just went what oh, just <laughs> and opened it up and just went Whip, 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 and just like a skipping stone, <laughs> like 200 meters you all the way, it. made it. Yeah, to the beach. Made it almost to the beach, and then we like tied ropes to trees so it wouldn't go off. And But I was like, I was honestly really blown away that we didn't get super hurt, yeah, and the right. ski had relatively little damage. <laughs> I never really quite coped to this story yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's out now. <laughs> Okay, so what I want to know is when you just came out breathing fire in that Skins event at Bells. Oh yeah. What what got what was the fire under your ass when you went and surfed that so, day? You were right. just like yeah, frothing. It, it, I was frothing. I mean, Bells. I love Bells. You'd love Bells too. Maybe. I don't think I could do it like <laughs> you do it, man. But um, <laughs> but the waves were like six eight feet, and it was really like a real groundswell. And I had like a six five channel bottom mm -hmm. that just worked that good. 
It was just the magic board and, Who the, made and it? the wave. Rodney Dahlberg. Yeah. Okay. He used to nice. surf Dahlberg boards. And it was a nice deep channel bottom and the waves were so smooth that day. Just perfect offshore and the board just felt like it had a motor on it. <laughs> and um, so yeah, it was a bit of a mixture between wave and board. Uh-huh. And me feeling good too. I didn't have a hangover that day. <laughs> because it was straight after Bells. Okay. Yeah, because Hoyo won Bells. And then um, that night we went to Wayne Lynch's uh, down at Lawn and we were all playing music. Oh, I wasn't really playing, but I was singing a bit in his teepee. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, I, and then I didn't, yeah, I, I woke up feeling good that day and um, it just all came together. Yeah, because <laughs> it seemed like, you know how when you, you watch somebody, it's kind of like uh, listening to music and you know they're really like, playing it from the heart like yeah. i feel like when you watch somebody surfing on certain days you're like oh wow that's like I it's know. just happening yeah and i is. feel like that i always watch that yeah th- those waves over and over of you at yeah. bells that day it looks like you were just making it happen i know i got far out it. it was crazy went over two days i surfed 11 heats and i my trick was like my first wave you had to do you put your hands up to yeah. win the skin so it was like five grand skins and I won like 11 of them over two days. So it was cold too. So I was like, had kept on boiling the kettle and pouring warm water over me because I had to wait for the next heat to, to um, had to wait for the guy to catch their wave. Uh-huh. And no one, everyone like, they don't really see what you did, but they hear the score, you know, like mm-hmm. eight or nine or whatever. And they're like, they just sit and wait for a wave that never comes. So 30 <laughs> minutes went over two days. And the funniest thing was, I won the 55 grand and, and, and a car mm-hmm. and um, they give me the car and they're like, just jump in it and drive off. And like, it was a little Jeep, manual Jeep. I remember this, it's on the video. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, um, I got an automatic at home. So I like pulled the clutch and it just done the kangaroo hop all the way <laughs> up the top. Were you like, just get me out of this parking <laughs> yeah, lot. And I'm like laughing hysterically to myself. And then I just drove off. And I was like, that was fucking radical. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's epic. Yeah, that, is, that is a performance for the ages. <laughs> hey, Mark, thanks so much for being yeah. on the Otcast. Thanks, love really it. Really appreciate it. Hey, guys, that's another Otcast. Oh, God, there's too many jellyfish. It's like, oh,